Luke 22 this morning, Luke chapter 22. Uh, we're looking at Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane this morning, and it's one of the most, I suppose, the most moving moments uh, as we look at the life of the Lord Jesus, as we see him here in Gethsemane praying. Uh, he's going to the cross. He's been going to the cross since eternity began, uh, not just since he was born. Uh, he's been going to the cross all his life. It's just hung over him like a shadow. And now this moment is upon him. And he goes to spend some time in prayer. And remember, he knows it all. He knows that he's going to be taken out of, the gar out of this garden uh, to his death, to condemnation, uh, a mock trial, and finally to his death. He, he knows what's going to happen here. So, so he goes to the garden with his disciples and he asks them to pray with him, to watch with him. Of course, we know the story. They miss it. They fall asleep. Uh, they don't get it. Don't you kind of feel sometimes like people never quite do? People never quite get it. And the Lord Jesus goes through this time, and he comes out of a triumphant, though. Not, not in the world's way doesn't look like you're triumphant when you get dragged out uh, to the cross. But his spirit never fails. His courage never fails. He's, this is the moment when his courage could have failed. I think, I think our courage would fail, to be honest with you. I think, <clears throat> what a dreadful burden to actually know what's going to happen to you. I'm so glad I don't know what's going to happen. I'm so glad I don't know the difficulties I'm going to face down the road. I'm just so glad. I, I'm so glad when I face up to something that I, that I haven't had to face up to it months ahead of time and just kind of uh, live with that reality that, that it comes upon me. Pain is a horrible thing. and I, uh, to, to, if, you, if you knew, it, it would just destroy. Jesus knew. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew every step of the way. And he goes into this meeting with God, but he comes out triumphant. So, so let's dig into it and have a look. I'm going to read you, first of all, Luke, and then I'm going to read you Matthew, sorry, Mark 14 uh, as well, because the, 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 it's in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. Um, there's just one verse about it uh, when it comes to John. John. John doesn't focus on it at all, but it's in all three. And um, Mark gives us a little, Mark and Matthew give us a little bit more information on it, but we're going to study from Luke this morning. All right, so Luke 22, verse 39. And he came out and went as he was wont to the mountain of olives. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was at that place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Now, I am, we'll talk about it, but I am constantly, you know, shocked by what the Lord says as far as prayer is concerned. He says, he, he, he prayed for Peter that his faith would not fail. That's not something I think of praying for praying about most of the time. And now he prays that they would not enter into temptation. He tells them to pray that you won't enter into temptation. When was the last time that you prayed that you wouldn't enter into temptation? And the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. It's interesting to me that when we actually bring our thinking in line with the scripture, very often what's in our heads and what's in scripture is completely different. So he told these men, don't pray for me, Pray that you enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them, a stone's cast, and he kneeled down and prayed, 
saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared unto him an angel, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now, don't miss the, uh, the, the context here. The angel comes and visits him and strengthens him, and then he goes deeper. Then it gets tougher. Then he's, then he's praying, uh, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood. He is going through it at this point. And when it, he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. And then Mark chapter 14, verse 32. And they came to the place which was called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground. And he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father. And Abba is that tender, close relationship term. Uh, it's Daddy. Abba, Father. This is, this, is, this is intimate term now. Abba, Father. All things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. So all things are possible for you, Dad. Take it away. Isn't that so human? Wouldn't that be you? That'd be me. Lord, take it away. Lord, I, don't, I don't think I can go through this. I don't, I don't, think, I can, I, I don't think I can do all you've asked of me. I, I, I just don't think it's, it's possible for me to actually go through this. Take it away, Lord. Take it away, Dad. You can do anything. Just take it away. But see what he says. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst thou not watch one hour? And he says the disappointment there in him. I know he knows. He knows us. He knows how, how weak we are. But don't you sense the disappointment, Simon? I'm just about to go to the cross. Could you not watch with me just one hour? <clears throat> watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh the third time and saith unto them, unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. He that betrayeth me uh, is at hand. And he says, Okay, sleep on, guys. There's, there's nothing you can do about this now. And someone wants to briefly look at it here. First of all, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, and this was his place. He went as he was wont, it says. Uh, in our text there. This was his place. This was a place that he normally went uh, to pray. And you can actually visit the Garden of Gethsemane if you go to uh, Israel. And it's one of the few places. Now, there's a, there's a church built on it. There was no church when Jesus was there. 
And there's a church built on it now, but it's one of the few places that as you enter into it, they say the trees could well have been there uh, when Jesus uh, prayed. They, they, they're that old. If you went to it, you can sense that holy hush. You can almost see him under one of those trees praying. You, can, you, you, you just enter into a different world. Some, some of the places uh, in Israel are just commercialized. Uh, they've been Christianized and churchified and, and all the rest. This is one of those places that seems almost untouched. And, and, and you can see him, uh, as it were, there. And he, 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 he goes to this place to pray. And what he does is, from the two accounts, he, he leaves one group in one place. And then he says, Peter, James, and John, the, the, the inner circle, the ones that were closest to him, he says, you come with me. Uh, you come with me. And so he leaves, the and he leaves the first group and he says, now pray that you enter not into temptation. And he leaves them there. Then he goes on and then he, he gives the others instruction and he, and, he, and he moves on himself to pray. Now, <clears throat> it struck me that Jesus is not so much the leader of these men as he is their caring master. He said under the one point, you call me Lord, and, and, and you do right because I am uh, your Lord. Most of the time, they have no idea what he's doing. As we read, we, they, 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 they don't understand what he's doing. They, they definitely don't understand at this point. Now, they're, they're in uncharted territory. They have no idea what's going to happen. They have no idea uh, what Jesus is asking of them. Uh, there's, you know, there's, 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 there's Judas in the picture. They know about that by now. They know Judas uh, is threatening to betray him. But, but they can't get, get the picture. Jesus has told them he's going to die. Uh, he's told them very clearly that he's going to die, but it doesn't, it doesn't figure for them. They have followed Jesus because he always had the right answer and he always knew how to lead them and he always led them in the right direction. Right? And they don't know what he's doing, but he's God. And he always knows best. And so they follow him. Do you know that you and I follow him that way too? We don't always know what he's doing, do we? We don't always understand what he's doing in our lives. I mean, if it was your way and my way, we'd, uh, we'd do it differently, wouldn't we? A lot of things I do in my life differently than the way God has done them. Uh, but we follow him because he's God. And he knows what, what's best. Some have a hard time with that. Some have a difficult time just yielding to him and following him because you want to understand it. You want to work it out. You want to be in charge. You want to, you want to be the one uh, that's running the show. And you can't be. You're not God. He is. You think you know best, but you don't. And so often, doesn't he prove that to you? You follow him, and it's hard, and it's difficult, but you know what? You find out in the end he actually did know best. I found that out in my life again and again. And so what happens is, over time, you come to the place where, like the disciples, you follow him even though you don't understand what he's doing because he knows what's best. That's called faith, that you trust him, that you, that you, that you walk with him. <clears throat> but some have a great difficulty with that, and uh, some struggle with that and fight against him uh, on that point because they want to understand. They want to know everything. I remember when I first got saved, that's what I wanted. I, I wanted to know what God was doing. I wanted him to explain to me. I wanted him to send me a chart so that I could actually see what he was doing and how he was going to do it. And, and I would then, you know, if I thought it was a good idea, I would say, okay. And you know what? God said, I don't work that way. You just follow. And I'll take care of you. I will lead you. I will lead you in the right direction. If you have not come to that place, let me encourage you. It's a sweet place to come to. 
You know, there, there is pain involved in it. But when you yield to him, there is peace. So the disciples are following him. They're following him blind in that side. But um, in a little while, a few hours really, they're going to be blindsided by the cross and by all that happens. Uh, it's not going to look like he knows what he's talking about at all because they didn't expect this. They didn't expect him to go down like this. They didn't expect him to look like a loser. They didn't expect his enemies to win over him. <clears throat> and um, uh, they're going to look at the situation and they're going to be shaken to their cores because they haven't taken on board what he was saying to them all along. Do you know I found that in my life again and again? God has been saying something, but for one reason or another, I haven't actually been able to take it in or haven't actually bit into it. And I've thought there was something else going to happen other than what God said was going to happen. And when what God says is going to happen happens, then you're shocked. You're knocked over almost. No, you know what? We need to let the word speak. We need to let it speak its truth. And we need to dig into it and not fight with it and try and make it our own way. We need to let God speak and what God says. We need to bow our heads and say, okay, Lord, it makes life so much better for us. So much easier for us. They, they can't, they don't. And what's going to happen now is over the next few days, over the next couple of months, really, they're going to have to play catch up in their, their hearts are going to have to catch up with what Jesus has said to them so that they can come to the place uh, of victory in this thing. And it really won't be till the spirit falls that they actually come out of the darkness and into the light and understand what he's doing. But, you know, if you and I will take the word, take God at face value and do what he says, it can be much easier for us. Number two, though, he asks the disciples to pray, and he confides in Peter, James, and John. Now, I'll read you again from, from Mark what he says here uh, to them. In, in Mark it says, um, And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and he began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. Keep look out for the enemies. Watch out. Uh, tarry ye here. He's on the prowl. And... We need to keep in mind that when it comes to the crucifixion, Satan was all over it. Every, every available soldier he could get was hanging out in Jerusalem around the cross. He was not going to trust this to anyone else but himself. He was going to orchestrate things because this was his moment. This was the moment when he was going to kill God and get the worship that he, so, that he believed he deserved. And so he's all over this situation. And Jesus is saying, listen, watch out. He's on the prowl. Uh, he's looking for what he can get. And um, <clears throat> you need to be praying for yourselves that you, that you be not tempted. And <clears throat> what's interesting is that what he says to them is the way to fight temptation is to be in prayer. The way to fight temptation, the way to stay away from temptation is to be in prayer. To be focused on prayer. To be in that place where you're walking close. Where you're abiding like we're talking about on a Wednesday night. The way for you to you and I to avoid temptation is to actually be walking close to him. To be living in that tight individual space with him. That's the way for you and I to avoid. I wouldn't have thought of that, would you? But you know what? It's so true, isn't it? You think about it. Doesn't temptation come in in those times when you're, when you're not walking with the Lord? And my, it can come in heavy, can't it? Why? Because the Bible says that the devil roameth about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We know that, don't we? Now, how does a lion devour? The stragglers. 
the ones that are not keeping up, the ones that are, that are not in the, in the right place. Sometimes they say a lion will rush at the, uh, at the animals into the herd. And he's not rushing, <clears throat> rushing hoping to catch anything. He's rushing to see who's weak, who's sick, who's not in the right place, because he's going to go after them, because they're easier than chasing the fastest runner in the herd. And you know he does that with you too. And you have those days when you're not feeling the best and you're kind of <clears throat> feeling it's too hard to walk with God today. I'm just going to take a day off and, and be easy. And, and maybe one day fades into two days and two days fades into a week and uh, into a month and you're not walking with God and you're just kind of uh, living in the flesh. And all of a sudden he goes after you. All of a sudden he goes after you to take you down. Now listen, God will answer your prayer at any time that you pray, but you don't want to be in that place. You just do not want to be in that place. You see, we need to understand that we're in a war. <clears throat> we have an enemy who would gladly destroy us. And these men <clears throat> are being told, now listen, there is danger. I'm, I'm going, going to go through it. I'm not asking you to pray for me. Pray that you enter not into temptation. What temptation? Well, the temptation to doubt. <clears throat> they were all going to be tempted to doubt. They were, they were all going to be tempted to disown him. They were all going to be tempted to desert him in these next few hours. It was going to get rough. And what he's saying is that pray. I want, I want you to draw near. Draw close. Get strength. You see, when you don't pray, you get tempted. When you don't pray, God doesn't seem so real. And the world feels very real. When you don't pray, the, the, the draw of the world is much greater in your life. I don't think we live that way sometimes, do we? Yeah, I think we get busy about life. And we get busy about the things that are quote-unquote important and we, we miss out the reality of <clears throat> the fact, no, we need to draw near to the Lord. We need to stay in that safe space. We need to stay in that place where we're actually walking close to him, where we're, <clears throat> where we're crying out to him, where we're hearing him and where he's hearing from us. We need to be in that place all the time. Oh, listen, it's lovely to come on a Sunday morning and sit in church and you know what, it seems like a very safe place, doesn't it? But the enemy's all over. And the enemy, remember, is trying to destroy your faith. Jesus is telling Peter, listen, Peter, I've prayed that your faith fail not. You'll be okay, you'll come through this thing. You're going to get a licking though, Peter. You're going to go through some hard times. But your faith won't fail. And now he's t telling these guys <clears throat> to, to pray lest, uh, lest they be tempted. Folks, you and I need to be praying. We need to be a people of prayer. It's, it, listen, it's not about all the things God is going to give you. Listen, God will give you plenty of things. Do you know that God gives you things even when you don't ask? How many of you have found that? God's given you something. You didn't even ask for it. <laughs> but he, he, he's just given it anyway. But you know, <clears throat> prayer is not just about you coming with your shopping list. Lord, I need this and I need this and I need this. Prayer is about you coming with into an intimate relationship with him and talking to him. Let me, let me encourage you. Let me, let me challenge you to do something, by the way. Talking to Esther yesterday, we had a prayer meeting in the morning. The revival prayer meeting is switched to 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning, by the way, right? Uh, and so we're talking, talking to Esther before the prayer meeting started, and she was saying that she's part of a group. Some of you are part of that group. But she's part of a group uh, of six that, that have been meeting for prayer for years. And they meet on WhatsApp. And they meet at 6 o'clock on a Saturday morning. I mean, that's, that's early, isn't it? 
Uh, but they meet on WhatsApp. So you know what? Uh, you don't even have to have any makeup on, ladies. You can just, you, listen, you can just uh, show up in that prayer meeting. And, and what they do is they, they started it off for a particular purpose. And, but they meet and they pray, the six of them. And six is a small enough group that, you know, you can be, you, you can talk about personal issues and needs and, and, and things that are going on for you. And, you know, when they have a, an urgent need, when somebody has a crisis, they, they, they phone each other and they spend 10 minutes in prayer. I, thought, I think that's a great idea. I think that's a great idea. So here's what we'll do. Uh, you five, and you five, and you six. No, that won't work. Well, I can't organize it uh, from the top down. You know what needs to happen? You need to do it. Not somebody else. You need to phone a few friends and say, listen... Could we, could we meet once a week on WhatsApp and spend some time in prayer together? <clears throat> now, I know you're busy, but you're not too busy for this. You can actually make time for this, can you? But <clears throat> you need to do it. Find some friends that you're going to actually pray with, that you're going to seek the Lord about the needs and the issues in your life. Some people that you can rely on, some people that, you, that you'll be able to actually call when there's a need in your life, because we need to pray. And you, you know what happens? Now listen, I hope that you have a devotional time each day when you talk to God and God talks to you through the word. But you know what? When you have an appointment that, you, that other people are expecting you to be there, there's something extra that moves you, isn't there? Something extra that gets you in that place where you begin to pray. So why don't you do that? Just get a few close friends. Not too many. You, you, you don't want 20 people on this thing. You know, it takes too long for everybody to pray and, you know, you, you can't be personal. You can't tell the private stuff to 20 people. But with a few people, you can actually tell your burdens. Would you pray for me today? Listen, I am having a struggle in this area. <clears throat> uh, would you pray for me? Someone so is hurting and, need, and needs help. I think, you know what? We could start off some prayer meetings and they would be powerful. And by the way, when you do, will you pray for revival too? Pray for God to actually touch our church and bring us uh, into his presence and his power uh, rest upon us. Pray that God will actually do something in our church. But, but get together with some people. T take the initiative and actually make a few phone calls today and say, listen, think we could do this? Think we, we could actually get together and have a WhatsApp meeting sometime that works for everybody, even if you had to get up a little bit earlier in the morning and do it? You know what? I think you would find the benefits in your life would be great. You see, Jesus said, pray that you enter not into temptation. Pray that you, that, you, that you don't go into that place where the enemy goes after you and destroys you. And having some people that, that, that you're united with in prayer, that, that could be really powerful in your life. And then he takes the inner circle with him and he invites them into the struggle of his soul. He tells them, you know, my, my soul's exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. Tarry ye here and watch with me. I want, you, I want you to hang in here and just pray. But they're not able. He's, he tells them the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That they want to. They, they wanted to be involved, but they missed it. Um, but they missed what was going on. And, and, and isn't it so true that people often miss it in your life? By the way, Jesus doesn't berate them. Here's another occasion when Jesus could have said, I'm done with you guys. You're a bunch of losers. Here I am. 
going to the cross for you. And you couldn't even pray for an hour with me. I'm done. I'm finished with this. He doesn't berate them. He doesn't go after them. He understands. He knows what they like. You know, <clears throat> people fail us because they're people. They, they, they don't have the power to do what we want them to do. They're not able to come through for us all the time. And we don't understand that. You know, you can look to people for things that they cannot deliver in your life. You can get bitter about it. You can get upset. Relationships can be broken. You can come to a place in your life where you're just fed up and annoyed with everybody because people are missing it for you. Listen, it's part of living in a broken world. People are going to miss it for you, but God never will. Never. He will never miss it for you. We'll see that in a moment. <clears throat> but understand that, that, you know, here Jesus is in his hour of need, and they, and they miss it, and he doesn't, he doesn't berate them about it. But then he asks his father for another way. I, I believe it's impossible for you and I to understand what the cross meant to Jesus. I think about the cross, I think pain. I think agony. I think, oh, I don't know if I can go through that. <clears throat> but you know, that's only a portion of what Jesus went through on the cross. That's only a portion of what he's going to go through. <clears throat> you see, um, <clears throat> there's the physical agony. And, and as the God-man, he knew exactly what was coming. But there's also the humiliation of appearing defeated by his enemies. Remember, they came and they mocked him. Mocked him. They, they laughed at him. Come on, you, know, you saved others. Save yourself. Come on down off the cross. Let's, let's see how great you are now. I don't know if I could put up with that. Certainly not if I could I had the ability to change it. And he did. Then there's the unimaginable torment of a perfect holy being taking every vile deed that anyone has ever committed upon himself. He's, he's going to take all the filth of the world on himself. And he's perfectly holy. We've never been perfectly holy. We've never been perfect. We were conceived in sin. We were born in sin. We lived in sin. And yes, we're forgiven our sin, but we're still not perfect. Oh, we're very familiar with what it is not to be holy. He wasn't. He's perfect. Never once had sin sullied his life. Never once. He had walked perfectly with his father throughout his 30 odd years. And all of the filth of the world was going to be put on him. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what it would be for you or I. I certainly can't imagine what it would be for a holy being to take all that on board. <clears throat> but not only that, there's the separation from the father. Perfect fellowship throughout eternity. Isn't fellowship a sweet thing? <clears throat> Isn't a good relationship where you have good fellowship a sweet thing? We, can, we count on the treasures in our lives, don't we? Those people that, you know, the, <clears throat> that, that we trust and that trust us and that we just uh, have that sweet fellowship with. We, we count those precious things in our lives. Jesus and the Father and the Spirit <clears throat> had perfect fellowship throughout eternity, never broken, never a cross word spoken, never a mean thing said, 
Never wrong done on anybody in the relationship. Perfect. But that's going to get broken because of our sin. His father's going to turn his back on him because of our sin. And <clears throat> the combination of all that he's facing, everything in him wants a way out. Everything in him wants some way out. Wants some way to avoid this. As, as he looks at it, the, the blood is draining from him. The blood is <clears throat> coming out of him in sweat. As he looks at it, he's saying, I don't want to do this. Nothing in me wants to go through what I'm faced with now. Father, is there some way out? All things are possible with you. Father, is there some way that we can end this thing that I don't have to go through this? You know, when I'm faced with a trial, <clears throat> I often think of Abraham. Abraham just comes to my mind, right? And you know, Abraham is told, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and take him to the mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him there. And then, of course, we know the rest of the story. God says, touch not the lad, now I know that you love me. Right? And he walks down the mountain with Isaac again. And I always think, you know, when I'm going through a trial, maybe God will take it away. Maybe God will remove it. Maybe I won't have to actually go through it. Maybe he'll do an Abraham and an Isaac on it. But he doesn't always, does he? He doesn't always take it away. He doesn't always remove the problem and remove the issue. He's not going to remove it for the Lord Jesus. He's not, he's not going to take this thing away. Jesus is going to have to go through it. It's not just a test. Jesus is going to have to drink this bitter cup of sin and shame to the dregs. He's going to have to carry it all. And remember, he carried it all for you and for me. He bore it all. He took our sin in his body on the tree. He took it all for us. He knew your name. He knew your sin, and he took it for you. There was no other way that you and I could be what we are today or have a home in heaven if he hadn't drank the cup all the way, the dregs and everything. He bore it for you and I. <clears throat> but look what he does. If thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus forsakes his own will and accepts the Father's will. <clears throat> you know, the biggest problem that we have with God is a clash of wills. There's your will and there's God's will. There's my will and there's God's will. And rarely do my will and God's will align. I have better ideas. I know <clears throat> how to work my life out. You see, here's the thing. God's plans hurt. Mine don't. At least I don't think they would. <clears throat> uh, they usually end up hurting more in the end. But when it comes to this thing of wills, there's God's will and there's my will. And I want my will. I choose me. I choose my will. And, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> the truth is, though, that we have peace with God through the cross. But we only have sweet fellowship with God when we surrender our wills to him. We only have sweet fellowship when we come to that place where we say, Lord, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Not my way, Lord, your way. Oh, listen, 
If you've not come to that place in your walk, that's a sweet place to come to. And it touches absolutely everything in your life. Lord, not my will, but yours. Lord, I'm going to step away from what I want and what I think, and I'm going to do it your way. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, Lord. I'm going to let you have your way. We fight with God. We wrestle with God. It does us no good. All we know is torment when we do that. But when we come to that place where we forsake our will, where we yield our will, and we say, okay, Lord, I want your way, not my way. Here's what you find. You find it's always the best way. Painful, maybe. But it's always the best way. And after a while, even though it looks hard, and even though you hate pain, you begin to think, you know what? That's what I want. I want it your way. Lord, I, I, I want it your way. But notice what happens next. <clears throat> Friends fail him in his hour of need, but his father sends an angel. <clears throat> and being in an agony, he prayed the more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood. His father sends an angel uh, <clears throat> to, to touch him in his situation. I, I put the wrong verse up there. Let me read you the verse. Um, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. So he's face, facing this. His friends have fallen asleep on the job. He's on his own in that awful moment. Maybe you've been there when you're absolutely on your own. Those horribly lonely moments when it's just you. And you know what God did? God sent an angel to strengthen him. God sent an angel to step into the situation and to, to help him. You see, <clears throat> I think there's a great lesson for us all to learn there. We naturally look to people to take care of us, but so often people miss it. We miss it for people too. <clears throat> we miss it all the time. But God never misses it. God is always there. He is the one that promises, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is the one that will be with you no matter what you have to go through. And ultimately, he's the only one that can take care of you. You see, we need to stop looking to people. Because here's what we do when we look to people. We expect more of them than they can give. And then when they fail us, we feel hurt. And we often get bitter. But the reality is we're asking more of them than they're able for. Are you able to meet the needs of those people around you all the time? How, how well have you done as far as that's concerned? You'd have to be pretty arrogant to think that, yeah, I always, get it. I always get it right. You don't. You miss it. And they miss it with you too. And you need to understand that it's God that is your strength, not people. It's God that you need to draw strength from, not people. Psalm 121 verse 1 and 2 says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Listen, people won't, but God will. And you need to stop looking in the wrong place because relationships get broken and shattered because we're expecting of people what they can't give us. What they're just not able to deliver. And when we turn to God, 
He does deliver. He will meet your need. He will take care of you. He will show you a way forward. And you know what happens then? Instead of you looking to suck it out of somebody else that can't give it, what happens is you're now able to give because you've got something from him. That's the plan. The plan was never that we sustain each other the way we like to. The plan is that we come to the place where we're sustained by him and then we have something to give. No, you're not going to be anybody's savior, but you know what? You can be the smile of God. You can be the touch of God in somebody's life. You, you can be that person that steps into their life and, and brings God into it. And be careful, by the way, that you don't try to get between them and God because ultimately you need them to come to God too. But you can be that smile, that touch, that person that helps them in their relationship with God. But people can't do it for you. But God can, and he always will. We also need to notice, though, that though Jesus is strengthened for the battle, the battle's not removed. Don't we think when the angel comes, it's all going to go well, and you know what, that's it. Story's over, the hardship's over, it's difficult. No, God strengthened him for what lay ahead. And you and I need to understand that. God will strengthen you for the trials he puts in your life. He won't always take them away. And if you expect him to always take them away, if you expect that when you get desperate and you cry out, Lord, take this away, God's going to do it, what happens is you get disappointed in God. He never promised he would do that. He didn't do it for Jesus. Jesus asked him, Lord, if it's possible, take this away. And the father said, no. But what I'll do is I'll strengthen you for what lies ahead. And you and I need to understand that, that ultimately the choice is in God's hands, not in my hands. I don't get to choose my path. I don't get to choose the trials. I don't get to choose the difficulties. But you know what? When I choose God, I get him, and he walks with me through all the difficulties. But you can't choose and make it happen for yourself. It's impossible. Jesus didn't. And you know what? If the Father said no to Jesus, he's quite at liberty to say no to you too. And you need to accept that. He can actually say no to me, not because he doesn't care, not because he doesn't love you, but because he's got a better plan. The Bible says that Jesus went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. What happened is he decided, you know what? What my father has planned is worthy. It's going to save millions. It's going to do something wonderful. And he took joy in what was going to happen. And when God asks you to go through something, you know what? There'll be joy at the end of it if you can yield to him. If you can bow before him, there will be joy at the end of it. So let's pull it together. <clears throat> Let me ask you a couple of questions as we close, right? First of all, are you being tempted? How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life going? How, how are things going between you and God? Are you, are you, is there temptation flooding your life? You're getting discouraged and you're getting down and you're thinking of walking away. And you know, how's your prayer life? You know, the answer, the answer is not for you to seek something in the world that the world doesn't have. The answer is for you to come back and seek the one 
who can actually give you what you need. You may need to make a phone call today and get a couple of people together that are going to pray with you and pray for you. That would be a bold move, wouldn't it? But I guarantee you it would help. If you're being tempted and you're being drawn away, listen, you don't pull away. You draw close. You know, I always hate it when I look out and I see somebody who's not coming to church. And, you know, the, you know you'll see them coming um, once a week and then you'll see them coming every two weeks and then you'll see them coming once a month and then weeks go by and you don't see them. Because you know what's happening? They're getting drawn away. You say, no, they're not. They're, listen, they're getting drawn away. That's just a symptom. That's not the reality. of it. They're getting drawn away. And, you know... <clears throat> When that happens in your life and you feel like pulling away, you, 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 you're getting drawn away, you, you need to double down. You, you need to draw near to God. You need not to float and go with it. You need to call some people and say, listen, pray for me. I'm, I'm struggling. I, am, I need prayer. You need to get some people around you that are going to help you and strengthen you in prayer. You need it. I need it. We all, we all need it. You can, go, you can go into a prayer meeting feeling one way and come out another entirely because you met with God. Right? So are you being tempted? Then, then how's your prayer life? Uh, one other question for you. Whose will are you seeking? Now, no glib answers here. It's easy for us to say, well, I'm seeking my father's will. Are you? Well, what about when his will cuts across your will? What about when his will is different to your will? Are you still seeking his will then, or do you want to go your own way? Or, 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 or do you have a controversy with, with God then? That's not fair. I want this, and you're, you're pushing me to do this. Or do you, like Jesus, say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done? You see, here's what happens in your life and in my life, because we're just human beings. God brings things into our lives. And sometimes... He asks us, will we allow it? And sometimes he just forces them on you. You don't have a choice in it. He just brings it into your life. And what happens in your heart is then you've got to actually surrender to him in it. But you can go through it and fight him if you like. But that's pretty miserable. Whose will are you seeking? Would you be willing to pray in the next few minutes when we give you a chance to pray? Lord, I want your will, not mine. Now, God hears prayers like that, folks. And, he, and he'll, see, he'll begin working in your life. What you're saying is, I want your will, Lord, not mine. Because that's important. You can't go fighting with God all your life. You're never, that's never going to go very well for you. You need to come to the place where you surrender to his will. And let me say this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then what, what I'm talking about is nonsense to you. <clears throat> there's no way you're going to get your head around it and understand it because you know what the Bible says these things are spiritually discerned that you have to come to the place where you've trusted Christ as your savior you've recognized you're a sinner you've recognized that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin and you've trusted him as your savior and then what he does he quickens he brings your spirit to life so that you can actually understand stuff like this but you know the Holy Spirit's able to actually take something like this and show you you're not there Show you that you're not part of this. And you know the answer to that? Cry out to him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I guarantee you, if you will say, Lord, I want this. I, want, I, I, don't, I don't even understand, but Lord, I want this. And your heart is that you want it. You know what? God will make it possible. 
for you to understand and for you to receive this. You need to trust Christ as your Savior. You see, you can't know peace until you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. So you've been tempted? Pray. Is your will to do what you want? Surrender. And if you're not saved, run to Christ. There's nowhere else to run. Run to Christ. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for the love that you pour out upon us every day. And, oh, Lord, we thank you that you wrestled in the garden and came to that place, Lord, where you surrendered to the Father and you went willingly to the cross to pay our sins. Oh, Lord, help us to go deeper in prayer. Lord, stir us up to pray and to seek your face. And, Lord, help us to want your will more than our own. And for that one that's not saved, blessed spirit of the living God, would you bring that conviction so that they can come to you and know you? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen, you just talk to God. Whatever God is saying to you, respond to him.